0: Hey, everyone, this is Chris Benton from the Chris and Sandy Show, where we normally get up close and personal with some rising artists. But today, because it's Easter, I thought about, I still wanted to do a show, but how could I make it unique? And I thought, oh, what better way than to interview a pastor? And of course, there's only one pastor that came to my mind, and it's the pastor that really has believed in Sandy and I since day one. And his church is amazing gateway church. But it's Pastor Matt Hearn, and I'm telling you, you're in for a treat today. You're ready to laugh and you're ready to cry. He's going to make you do it all. But anyway, Matt, are you there?
1: Yeah, um, it's unique. <laughs> I mean, when I use unique, it's usually, hey, I think that person's a little weird, but I don't want to say weird. I'm going to say unique, you know, because that's
0: kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: so I I'll be unique to today, have Chris. yours. Thanks. <laughs> Well, I'd say the show is unique today, because uh, normally we interview rising artists, and um, can you sing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to
2: hear that. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> so before we really get deep into anything, tell us a little bit about who you are, Um brief overview, quick overview of your small story, and some hobbies you like to do outside of music. I mean, I'll, see, I, I, there I go. I'm already talking. I'm, I'm making you an artist well, outside of being a pastor. Well, my house to be outside
2: of music, so that <laughs> be right on to that. Uh, uh, We're just going to
1: have I'm a good time. I'm just a Georgia kid. Um, my uh, grandfather was a farmer, My dad uh, grew up on a farm, and so a lot of that stuff passed on to me. Um, my dad was a pastor, and to be honest with you, I didn't oh, wow. want to be a pastor. For a long time, I thought, those guys are weird. Oh, wow. I don't be associated with them and that sort of thing.
2: <laughs> and now that I
1: am one, it turns out that I'm unique. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit about me. Um, I'm married and have a couple kids. And outside of being a pastor, um, you know, I um, I love to do a lot of things. I love to play sports, especially like basketball or play some um well, I guess basketball is the only thing an old man can play anymore. I guess church softball, although they have told me not to come back because um, I'm <laughs> too competitive and I yell at people. It, it's an ugly thing, Chris.
0: <laughs> so so, I, cover it.
1: I mean, I was trying to be quick yep. for you. Um,
0: yep. <laughs> so, when um, did you? What made the transition to come to God? What tell us that moment where you said, "You know what." I serve you.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I grew
0: up um, with a kind of a unique, I think,
1: relationship with God. I've always had his, well, his presence, his goodness towards me. But like any other kid, um, I wanted my own way and do my own thing. Um, so My grandfather died when I was 17 years old. And then my mm-hmm. grandmother used uh, what I call uh, holy manipulation. Um, mm-hmm. She wanted me to go on this mission trip that I never really wanted to go on. And um, she really wanted me to go, and she, and I at that time I wasn't I wasn't really doing what I was supposed to do, wasn't wasn't close to the Lord at all. And she said, "Well, um, he, remember he just died." She said, "Well, your grandfather really wanted you to do this." <laughs> so I was like, "How can I how can I say no to that?" And so I went. <laughs> and uh, it was actually uh, it was in Russia before communism fell, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. um, just a, it, there was a hunger for God that. Honestly, i never even seen an American church for the most part. These people mm-hmm. were longing for a relationship with God, and that um, really impressed me and, and changed my heart. And, Chris, a story we don't have time for is I was actually in Moscow during a military coup, and when I got home to Washington, D.C., I was on the national news um, because they, oh, wow. they weren't sure what was going on, so they stuck <laughs> a mic in my face. You know those people that are on the news. Why did they put that idiot on the news? <laughs> that was me.
2: <laughs> oh God, that's hilarious.
0: Hey, but you were famous before you were famous. <laughs> they were trying to yeah, already. The make only you thing famous. I've
1: ever been, Chris, is infamous. <laughs>
0: <one>. Go ahead. <laughs> so, at what point did you know that you know what? Because that had to be a tough decision. Well, um, so I,
1: I went to college, a Christian school, and then uh, I made the, I mean, honestly, uh, there's a gentleman that said, hey, man, I was supposed to go to seminary, but he became a doctor and said, I'll pay for you to go. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. for the next three oh, wow!" Years, but, you know, free ride, and I did that for three years, and I didn't know what to do after that, and so I did youth ministry, because it's like video games and basketball, that sounds like my gig, and uh, so I just kind of got in the flow, and um Along the way, uh, there was just something where I, I, I kept trying to do something else, and God just kept bringing me back. And then um, my wife and I got pregnant, and uh, it was time to grow up, Chris. she's like, well, what, what am I going to do with my life? And so I finally, in that process, I, I started to God's call. <laughs> well,
2: I didn't say I was growing up, but it's it's still time to grow up. <clears throat> so.
0: so what was that like, trying to – you have a family now and going to college and all that. What was that like trying to do all this all at once? Well, you know, it was, it was never more uh it wasn't like a
1: multiple thing for me cuz I was mm-hmm. in college and seminary. I got married in seminary, but that was that was fun. You know, we were having a great time. <laughs> and um you know, uh you know, I, I did youth ministry. It was really not until Lori was pregnant that um, So that was – the hardest part was the day – like a week after Emma was born, I had to go for an interview from Columbus over to Savannah, and I had to leave Lori by by our um, – with our daughter by herself for a whole day. And uh, she was so scared, she wanted me to come home right away. But for the most part, mm-hmm. it, the whole thing's been smooth because God has been with us the whole time. And right. They smoothed over any rough It's just, you know, we had our days, but for the most part, so
0: yeah. it's been fun. So what was that moment when you? I mean, how did you pick the name Gateway for a church? Was it you, or was it a group of people? I mean, did y'all come together on that?
1: So, um, I I was associate pastor at a church here in Savannah, and the uh, the youth pastor and I were sitting in my office, and we were talking about planting a church, and I wanted um, I wanted kind of the concept of a starting place, mm-hmm. and uh, so we so we started googling words, and we. <clears throat> like lots of different words, we Googled "gateway" Because this you know, mm-hmm. kind of the starting point, and uh, there were several gateway <laughs> churches out there, and they all seemed like, "Hey, this is this is what I'm this is what I'm dreaming of. This is what I want to do." Yeah. And so we ended up choosing that name because it was the best name that went with the kind of churches <laughs> we wanted to be. So that yeah. it wasn't something profound. It was kind Oh. Of like, <laughs> uh, um, I had originally thought because of uh, where we live in to call it Low Country Church, mm-hmm. and my wife said, "Who went to Clemson?" And she said, "This is not the Low Country. The Low Country is South Carolina, and you're an idiot yep. if you choose that name." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, and, yes, you know ma'am.
0: what's funny? What's funny? She's, you know, I I argue with people all the time, and I, I finally quit debating it. But I, I even news that people get this wrong. I always tell people, Georgia, coastal Georgia or Savannah area, is the Coastal Empire. From right. Buf- from Beaufort to Charleston, is called the Low Country. I mean, people don't realize that, that when you say the Low Country, that also means Charleston. Right, right. And, well, and I'm like, really do you really want to put Savannah with state. Charleston? <laughs> no. And then, of course, the yeah, upstate's further up. But well, yeah, this is something um,
1: only people from this area would care about,
0: Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I'm guess i from here. I mean, I've been here since 14 years old, and before that, my dad was military, so we were everywhere. So okay. it's really the only stable place I've been, and I'm 48 now, so. <laughs> well, I don't so know if you know this. I grew
1: up in Atlanta, and when you grow up in Atlanta, there's Atlanta and there's the rest of the state. You know, it's like, <laughs> So we I live in Columbus, which is part of the rest of the state, and then Savannah, which is a little bit more noble because it's where well all started. So you yeah, can't be too snobby about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, for eight years of my life, I lived in Columbus, Georgia, when I was real little. Oh, really? My dad, my dad was stationed in Fort Benning. All right. What was that? <clears> that
1: that was um
0: uh, man um because I, I know we lived there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know we were there. Two different times, because my dad bought a house there, and then he got stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. And we lived in Fort Riley, oh, wow. Kansas for um, five years. And then he was going to retire, and he wanted to retire back at Fort Benning. So, And we come back, and from what – if I remember correctly, my the house was pretty much destroyed because it was a rental. They, he rented it out, and, of course, had to, all the money he did make on it had to go back in and refixing fixing. <laughs> oh, man. You know, but we were there, but we were there. I guess six, seven, eight years, something like that, total. And then and then we moved out to Savannah at fourteen because my dad thought he wanted to be by his mom because his mom was getting really old and all that, and he knew that she didn't have much time left. So we moved out here, and been here ever since. Yeah, it's not a bad place to live. <clears throat> so I know that you and Sam. On, you know, when you're preaching You've told a lot of crazy stories At the beginning of Gateway Tell us a few of those Let's get people laughing Before before we really get into the serious part you know, oh,
1: I yeah. know well, some Sam of stories is <laughs> okay, so You have to know Sam Martin. He's from Chicago And he fancies himself as this Really tough Chicago guy And then he, he thinks of me As this slow Georgia boy and so um, I have to tell you, the first time we negotiated, I <laughs> I negotiated right on right the table. So he calls me. He, we had a radio spot um, advertising mm-hmm. our church, and he heard it. And so he calls me, and he says, "Hey man, um, I have a company that's helping churches, and so I, I'd like to I'd like to help you. And uh, why don't you come by my office, and we'll talk about some of the products that I can sell you?" And mm-hmm. so that sounded interesting to me. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> So I so went over to his office And uh, he was like "Hey, this, These things I can do And he showed me these videos And all this
2: really cool stuff And I was like oh man mm-hmm. I don't know how
1: to do any of that And then he told me how much it costs <laughs> And I Well thank you very much I'll talk to you later And I literally I just walked out I, I, pulled, I totally did the best negotiation i ever So about a half an mm-hmm. hour later He calls me back and says Hey Uh uh, listen, I, I'm just trying to get my portfolio up, so uh, w- what if I did it for you for free? <laughs> I never let him live that one down. Oh, my goodness. He always talks about, you know, selling cars and other stuff he's negotiating uh-huh. for.
2: And then, uh-huh. then I
1: just remind him, well, I got you for free.
2: <laughs> um,
1: now, how did he so come? The first time I'm... To... Go ahead. How did he come to Gateway? No, yeah. uh, he was actually part of another church plant, another in another part of the city. He and his wife, his whole family, and uh, his extended family, and they were doing uh, what's called uh, kind of the the tour of other churches. So you, you kind of get an idea when you plant the church. Hey, what, what's going on in the area? How do, how can we fit a niche that's not that's mm-hmm. not being met? And so they came to Gateway, and that day was Carpe Summer, seize the summer. Huh. It was at the end of the summer. And I was wearing swim trunks, flip flops, and a T shirt.
2: <laughs>
1: and I was greeting at the door and he walks up to me and we start talking and he finds out I'm the pastor and he says to me, They let you dress like that? <laughs> and I was like, Well, I didn't know who to ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And so that was uh Chris, that was the worst day. So we were in uh we were in the rented space, uh mm-hmm. the Y M C A. And it was uh it was August, and if, as you know, that's the hottest part of your – That's hottest time in the South is August.
0: Yeah, here, definitely. Um,
1: well, anyways, so the there was no air conditioning, and uh, oh, so, wow. and then uh, the worship leader and his wife were arguing during the worship set. Mm. <laughs> it was it was a disaster. <laughs> I stood up and I preached for about three minutes. I was like, listen, I can't do this anymore, and, and I can see that you don't care. So I'm going to pray, and we're all going to get out of here. We hope it's going to get better.
2: <laughs> oh, so um,
1: that was his first experience at Gateway. And um, so I went home, and I wrote a letter of resignation. I said, this is the right place. This is the right time, but I must not be the right guy. I didn't send it, but I wrote it. And a little line of Sam and his family went and met with this group that was planting the church in another part of the city. And they said, they said man, something's happening there that I can't quite um, put my finger on, but we feel like we're supposed to help that guy. And listen, Chris, I needed help. <laughs> oh. So um, you <coughs> wow. might say, well, you still need help. Um, anyways, <laughs> we they, all so do. they they decided in that moment, Chris, that they would come back and be a part of this. It was a mess. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they helped really change the trajectory.
0: Gateway Church, so I owe him so much. (laughs) And remember, God turns mess messes into messages. So, you know, apparently he did. (laughs) Well, here, well, here you are, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I, yeah, that's funny. You know, one thing that I know that you know about me a lot is I'm really emotional, and I I wear my heart on my sleeve. I mean, not like, I'm not like your average guy on that part. And it's like all my life, <clears throat> no matter where I get, I never felt I, like I fit in. Even in the Christian community, I just don't feel like I fit in a lot of times until I found your church. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, you know, I've got two sets of people now. I've got my gateway people, and I've got my country music people. That's where I fit oh.
2: in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Gateway I
1: don't know if you remember the uh, Island of the Toys Or the cartoons when we were kids But mm-hmm. uh, Gateway ends up being that Little island you know. I think what we really specialize in Is people who Are around the edges And uh, they come in, they feel welcomed, they're loved And that's um, I mean, that's the thing that I, I love about our church And that's, I can't say that's something I did That's just something God is doing so that's, uh, yeah.
0: that's a cool thing. Yeah, because I know that since we've been going there, it's like, even though we kind of been flopping churches a little bit, um, we go to multiple churches, and, and it's like, and I kept telling Sandy, I was like, why do I feel more connected there, but that's not supposed to be our main church? And I, and I fought this for a long time. Because we've been coming to your church for almost, June will be two years now. And I, and, and I have to be honest, when we first went to your church, because we're used to the big bands and all that, and y'all got a good band, a good worship team. When uh, two years ago, I was like, "Oh, they're okay. They they are just on it now." I mean, I have watched that worship team go from average well, I thought it was average. I mean, I guess that could be just my opinion, but <laughs> to phenomenal. <clears throat> and that well, that transformation is that transformation is just unbelievable. Cuz again, you know, you see worship teams all over and they, and you don't usually, you don't usually get to see the growth because usually when you see them they're about where they're going to be for a while. But I got to see that growth and that that was just that's just phenomenal. I love the worship team. It's like I really feel like spirit comes on me now and every time we go and that's the biggest thing that we miss with all the whole coronavirus right now is church. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's frustrating, you know. We're, the two, the two big things we miss is church and our day trip. 'Cause we go to Jacksonville a lot to, to just get away for a little bit, for one day, and two or three times a month. So those two things is like, oh man, you know. Most of our life is pretty much the same because we deliver food in the evenings to help us stay afloat. So we still get to do that, thank God. Um, but <clears throat> rather than the church thing, the church thing is what hurt us the most. What do you mean? As in, I'm talking about as in having to give up the community aspect oh, of it right now. Gotcha. I gotcha. That, you know, because <clears throat> we miss that. And, and you know, something I noticed at Gateway, too, you know, and I like to talk about Gateway a lot here because I think it's really a huge thing here. But, I, you know, we've, you know, anytime we travel, we go to different churches, you know. Because, you know, if, even if someone's doing it live online at the church I'm going to, I can watch that later, and I always do. But if I'm local at someplace, we're going to find a local church to go to if we're traveling. And so I've been you know, all through this. In fact, it's funny. Little Chris is, and Caitlin, they're, they're probably registered at like 50 different churches here in the southeast because of that. <laughs> um, um, right. But I remember – one moment, I guess about six, seven, eight months ago. maybe may have been sooner than that. But we, we were in the church, and I remember we're sitting in the back, as we always do, because I have bad allergies. So I always make sure I sit in the back, Just in, especially now. Uh, you know, I would have to sit in the back because if I sneeze, people would freak if I'm in the middle. <laughs> but, but we're back there, and the church was overflowing, so they had to bring out chairs, something I've never seen done. A pastor, Sam Martin. He's preaching that day. He's pulling out chairs. I've never seen that in the church where the pastor does that.
1: Well, that's uh, that's what we
0: do now. (laughs) But you know that that's special, though. I mean, I know that y'all see it as this is just what we do.
1: Because
0: usually—
1: Can I just interrupt you there? I want to say this. That makes me sad that people notice that as something special. That should just be the norm. Oh, it,
0: oh, I know. <laughs> and you know, but that's what I've noticed. And, and, and again, it's, it's it, uh, way more than that. But that, that that was that was just something that really, you know, that I'll always remember that Sam did that. Yeah. And and then you, on the other hand, you know, this is a lot. <laughs> You know, i i I'll re, I'll remember that day, and and I needed it this day, where you walked up to Sandy and I, and and, this is, <laughs> and you looked us in the eye and says, you know, I'm proud of what you all doing with your show. Nobody's ever said that. Said, I've had people say you're pr- they're proud. But I've had no leaders say that. Hmm. You're the first person that I know face-to-face that looked, not just said they're proud of us, proud of what we're doing with our show. Nobody cares about the show locally. Now, of course, all my Nashville people, they care. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know I've got a lot of Buddies in Nashville that love our show But you know I'm just saying on the local level here
1: <laughs> Well Chris
0: uh,
1: It's not the same thing But I know how hard It is to start something When You know you have a few people in your corner But even those mm. few people You actually have to put your shoes on Every morning and go to work and make it happen And there's a lot of anxiety Fear and doubt And, uh, and I've been watching and uh, honestly, that was not something I was planning to say. Well, if I see Chris, I'm going to tell him that I saw you. I was like, in the Spirit just it's like, well, say, you know, tell him. So I was like, hey. And it was, it was more just to pump you up, man.
0: My, my job as a pastor is to pour courage into people.
1: So I, I hope it did for a moment. Uh, well,
0: I needed, I needed that at that time because, again, running the whole New Country Media. and Now, granted, you know, you're our 55th interview person that we did this year. So we've been on it this year, um, but there are times where, because right now this thing don't make money, you know, it's going to be probably 18 months before it really makes money. So we're pouring money into it, you know? So yeah, I get it. to sit there and have somebody that you respect to come out and say that, it's like that little extra oomph to say, okay, I can keep going. It's like so many, and Sandy has to talk Cliff so many times. I'm like, I'm just going to quit I just can't and, and you know I should know better than that Because we actually launched New Country Buzz Back in 2014 But for personal reasons Shut it down in 2015 And it ate me alive Until we finally relaunched At the end of 2018 So I've already quit once That didn't work
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, So I should know that You know I can't quit this It's We're in too deep now <laughs> but I really appreciate what you did on that day because that was one of the moments where I'm like, okay, God is looking over what we're doing. Because so, you know, I've had Christians tell me, you can't support country music if you're a Christian. I've heard all that, blah, 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 um, like everybody else does. <laughs> and, and it's like, so when you said that, it was like, okay, God supports this. That's, that's what I got out of that. Well, I should be more careful. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
1: um, let me say what I believe about that. There's no such thing as secular versus sacred. Now, there's some music that points people in a more heavenly direction than others. But God created music, and he gave it to us. And there's mm-hmm. some music and country music that I enjoy. Um, oh, my gosh, did you know that... Um, we did I'm Going to Miss Her. Do you know that song? Yeah. Uh, the So He's talking about going fishing. We
0: did that on uh-huh. a Sunday morning. Were you here when we did that? <laughs> I'm not su- oh. sure. We, we, were we there on that one? Cindy says she thinks we were because she got the uh-huh. bit I, I'm like you, even though I, I – I, I, but I have no reason for what you do. I don't have a great memory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we were doing a relationship
1: series, and so right before I came up to preach, uh, the band played that song, and the crowd just went wild.
0: Um, so you know,
1: and we <laughs> and, believe that if there's a message, there's a message. So,
0: and, and that's what's great about your church. y'all are willing to take chances on different things, and I've seen that through the last couple of years that we've been going there. That y'all take chances on that where your average per person looking in or your average Christian looking in. And say, I wouldn't have done that. And then I'm sure there's yep. things that y'all have done where you're like, I'm not sure if we should have done that. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I have <laughs> Sam after service. Sam, I wouldn't
1: have done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. We had some fun. Let's get a little bit more serious here. Um, hard to go here. But tell us the moment that, you, or or the steps that was leading up to what the doctor's diagnosis.
1: How well, did you know that um, you
0: need to go to the doctor and all that? I mean, what what led up to that?
1: Well, for um, <clears throat> six or eight weeks, in the middle of the night, I have this sharp pain, like this, just like somebody put electrodes, like the shock therapy or something, in my hip. It wake me up at night, and. Um, You know that happened for six or eight weeks, and because I'm stupid, I was like, "Oh, I just deal with it," and and just dealt with it.
0: And then um, I started getting what's that? That's it, us men.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I started getting migraines to go along with it, and my health started to deteriorate. And then the pains weren't just at night. Um, There was one night I was sitting watching TV, and the pain became so sharp that um, I was. I was on the floor just balled up, and I was crying. My kids were seeing it. And uh it's like, I, I can't ignore this anymore. And um, so um, we set an appointment with a the doctor, and I'm not going to name names, but that doctor missed it. Um, mm-hmm. and I was having migraines, and he came back with a diagnosis of chronic sinusitis. Well, I've never even had a sinus infection in my life, so I don't know <laughs> oh, well. what chronic sinusitis has to do with it. <clears throat> um, anyways. I, I'll shorten the story. Um, so my wife went, she went out of, out of the country. She and my daughter had a chance to go to Ireland, and uh, and it was really cool. And my son and I stayed back, and in the middle of the night, one night, my son reached over. Cause he, you know, when, when my wife's out of town, he likes to come and sleep in bed with Daddy. He heard me <laughs> moaning. And he woke me up. I wasn't sleeping. He turned me moaning and he said, Daddy, you okay? And um, I really wasn't. And so then mm. I went to the – I dropped – a friend came picked him up, and another friend took me to the emergency room. And here's the cool <coughs> thing about God. The emergency mm. room doctor was – I I knew her from a previous um, episode in the emergency room where my heart oh, was a wow. out of rhythm. I went, went to the emergency room, and we already had this rapport, so she looks into the room. I know her, and she knows me, and we get to talking. And she says, let's get you, let's get this scan right away. So she wheeled me down to the CAT scan, or she did, not somebody did. It turned out I had a, what she said was a football-sized tumor in my abdomen. Wow. And uh, you know, <clears throat> and I was on such good pain meds at the time, it really didn't faze me. Chris. <laughs> but my friend who was there started crying, and I was like, come on, man, man up. <laughs>
0: Because He was you probably, know, like, freaking out, like, what, what do you mean, man up?
1: Didn't you hear? Yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So that's that's how that came about. And then, um, you know, uh, it was, I was told, you know, you need surgery, so we went and got a surgery. And by the time I had surgery, which was about a month and a half later, the tumor had grown from 10 pounds um, to 15 pounds. And wow. so um, they had to... <clears throat> They cut out surgically and so I you know, my wife, I told my wife, I don't want to hear any more about complaining about being pregnant 'cause both of the <laughs> both of the things that cut
2: out of you are less than ten pounds.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Um, anyways. And then uh, you know, they sent off the they did a pathology and turned out to have uh, synovial sarcoma, which is a, a very deadly uh, mm-hmm. cancer. And uh, I remember, you know, say, hey, come in. i are going to tell you what's going on. And um, I'm sitting in the chair, and my oncologist is sitting next to me. She's this really sweet lady, Chris.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, she looked at me with compassion in her eyes. She said, Matt, um, I think you have about 12 months to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember, how, you know, the emotion washes over you. It's like you think, mm-hmm. well, this can't be happening. Um, I'm too young and way too handsome to die.
2: <laughs> and so
1: I turned my face to the window mm-hmm. and away from her because I didn't want her to see me getting emotional. But, I, you know, the tears, I was I was keeping them together, but tears were just flowing. Mm-hmm. And she reached over and put her hand on my hand. She said, that's okay, man. It's it's a really hard news for anyone. I want you to know we're going to do everything we can to extend your life. And I was like, Okay. And after a few days, um, I don't know if you heard this, but what I started to say was, um, you know, uh, now I'm in God's hands, or I'm, mm-hmm. this is all in God's hands. And yeah, what Holy I realized horrendous. is, just, it's always been that way, anyway. i was just now more aware of it.
0: So, so that's how that. But came you to had be. to battle that multiple times. So well, that's the crazy part is, you're still kicking, and you went through this process. How many times now? Well, so I had a, um,
1: we defeated what we th- we thought we defeated, and it came back last June as a brain tumor. Um, so, if anyone in your audience is like, "This guy's got half a brain," well, you're right. I only have half a brain, <laughs> um, literally. So, I had the had the a um, large tumor removed from my my brain, and then now I have uh, another tumor. The tumors come back in my abdomen. This is why. Uh, this is an aggressive cancer. It just doesn't go away. So, so you get it. You think it's
0: done one way and it comes back another way.
1: Yeah. But I'm getting, uh, you know, you said you go back and forth to Jacksonville a lot. Well, I get to go down <laughs> there every three weeks. And uh, I get <laughs> scans and um, some meds. And uh, and God's That's, good to me, Chris. Um, and you've been, been surprising watching the doctors, too. Oh, man. If I can tell a story. so um the first round, you know, they gave me 12 months mm-hmm. to live, and then they started giving me chemo. And what they said before the chemo started is, "Is hey, uh, we're going to give you this chemo. It's not going to work, but we have to give you the chemo so you qualify for a clinical trial that may save your life." So yeah. Okay. That That's not crazy? So they start. They started giving me chemo, and then just before I'm supposed to go to Mayo for you know to be analyzed for the clinical trial. The yeah, oncologist at the at the Mayo Clinic calls and says, "Hey, um, this has never happened to me before, but the clinical the clinical trial we're trying to get you approved for has been canceled." Wow! And so, so in that moment, I, after I got off the phone, I spoke to my wife about it. We thought that was it that um, you know the the chemo we're doing isn't going to work, and my only hope was a clinical trial, and that's been canceled. And so, I I mean, I remember that moment. We held each other and wept. Uh, My grief was not so much for me because I'm going to heaven and things get better for me there. But, you know, the fear and the grief in my children's eyes and my wife's eyes was was more than I could bear, Chris. Yeah. And um, so here's a really cool thing God did. So uh, sometime later, I I can't remember exactly when. it was. I know it was in April of last year. We went, and uh, it, it, so, so every time we go, there's a scan, and the scan is read, and the results are sent. And he reads the results on a computer, and there's some images. So he's, he's looking at his computer, and he looks at me. He looks at his computer, and he gets this look of consternation, like confusion. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and he says, I, I don't understand. And then he looks back and he says, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I looked at him like, well, what are we doing here? You're the doctor. If you don't understand, I'm in the wrong place. And uh, <laughs> he looks at the screen. He looks one more time at me. And, you know, it looks like the words him on his lips. He wasn't sure he should say it. He said, well, if I believed in miracles, I would say this is a miracle. <laughs> and then he went on <laughs> to say that the, uh, the tumors uh, were dead. And... um at this point, there's no evidence of disease. So this is wow. like, with well, this cancer doesn't mean you're out of the woods, but it doesn't mean you get to walk yeah. us a little, a little further. And I looked at him and said, well, Doc, it's a good thing for both of us that I do believe in miracles. And uh, <laughs> so we went out that day just uh, on cloud nine. It's like, wow, God delivered me. Um, and then this brain God tumor I had Eddie. last summer, I don't, we, we haven't told many people this. But the mm-hmm. doctor at Mayo, after I survived the surgery, said that um, most people with a brain tumor that size last two weeks.
0: Wow! wow. And
1: so this is a, this is the second time I mm. personally ex- you know, experienced the miracle. Um, so uh, God has been good to me, Chris. <laughs>
0: well, like you said one time preaching that you said you told the doctors. God is not ready for me to come up there. My, I think you're, you you joked that your crazy self couldn't handle up there right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I I did tell him I was too stubborn to die.
2: <laughs> oh God!
1: Uh, yes, um, one of the ways you get through <clears throat> stuff like that, at least for me, is your your humor becomes very cryptic. Um mm-hmm. I don't mean to offend anybody because uh, sometimes yeah, I make, I make light of the situation. There's people who've experienced deep pain around this. And so I don't in Mm -hmm. any way mean to minimize what they're doing, what they've gone through. It's just one way that I have to, you know, I have to lighten the mood for myself so I can get through it. Yeah. So.
0: And, you know, it's like with the comedian. When you watch, when you hear these comedians on TV, you know, 99% of the comedians out there, if you dig deep into their life, they're the way they are because of the pain they've had to go through and endure. And that's something I've noticed through the years as as you start talking to people is, you know, sarcasm is really pain. Yeah. Arguments in marriage it's really pain. You know, a lot of people don't realize this when two people argue in a marriage. In most cases, I mean, I'm not saying all cases, but in most cases, they're not arguing because of their current circumstances. They're arguing because of experiences. Mm -hmm. And those experiences have shaped who they are. And because of that they butt heads because they you know, because they don't know how to deal with it. Like this other person's reminding them of something. So they're talking about shaping you. Um what has how have you felt that cancer's shaped you now? Well, um I tell you one
1: thing that's happened is, you know, as a pastor you know you hate to admit this But it's not that I didn't have a close relationship With God but it wasn't as close as it has been In the past mm-hmm. And through this experience The the it, the presence Of God has been deep And abiding it's like there's it never been a moment Or any day that he wasn't Alongside of me um, Sometimes I just felt like he's coming He grabs me by the hand and says come on boy Come with me we'll do this together um, So that's, that's One thing now Sam some Martin, my friend and, the, and my co-worker at, uh, at the church, they said, um, since this has happened, Matt, you were, <laughs> um, you were ridiculous anyway. But now it's like it's not on I – and mean, it's turned up to 11. <laughs> so um, I don't <laughs> know what that means other than um, I've always had a lot of freedom and now I have even more, so look out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I totally get this because you know, I went through 19 years of addictions. Until God completely Mm. healed me 12 years ago, in the first five years of our marriage, my wife went through hell because of it. I mean, she was living on that other side, but she never let it get get her bitter. She always Mm. uplifted me. She's always my cheerleader. She always believed in me still, even through the addictions. And, you know, we've had people tell us through the years when they hear our story that she allowed me to walk over her. And I always have to correct them. No, she allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. Hmm. Because I don't think there's nobody on earth that could have softened my heart the way she did in those early years of our marriage. And if she didn't do what she did, and and that's why I know God brought us together, to help heal me. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's funny. When you marry somebody, you're almost always marrying your opposite. And I believe that's to help heal the points in you that God needs you to heal. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that,
1: Chris. God has, uh, one thing that has changed, I've always loved and appreciated my wife, but mm-hmm. watching her come alongside of me in this season, um, it's brought us closer together. I, you know, it's, it's, it's pain and uh, suffering sometimes ends up being a gift, Chris. And I know that mm-hmm. if, when I say that, people recoil, they don't understand. One of the things it does is it helps us to see more clearly what's important, mm-hmm. what really matters. Also, yep. um, it, it 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 draws you closer to the hurt and pain of others because you're more aware. Um, mm-hmm. If I can tell you another – do you mind me telling a story? No, I was in the mall. Uh, I don't go to the mall very often. Um, I just happened to be somewhere where I could walk to the mall and someone's come to pick me up. And so I'm walking mm-hmm. to the mall, and I just mind my own business, and I look over. It's like one of these old people that, you know, is doing lapses and was doing, trying to get my exercise. And there's this woman sitting on a bench, and she's wearing those scarves. Because, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen those, but it, it's clear that it's it's for vanity. She's bald, and she's trying to cover up her bald head. And she mm-hmm. was sitting on the bench sniffing. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, even as a pastor, I, you know, I wouldn't have embarrassed her or, you know, mm-hmm. or even I, – I just kept on walking. I might have prayed for her as I walked by, but, you know, I wouldn't have yeah. stopped. So I was like, well, I'm going to stop. My, my head was as bald as a baby's butt. And uh, <laughs> so I walked over there, and I said, oh, Ma'am, are, are you okay? And she's, you know, she – she kinda of stopped sniffling and looked up at me and dabbed her eyes. She said, Oh, yeah I'm, I'm fine, I'm just uh just waiting on my family. And I was, I looked at her and this this is totally inappropriate, Chris. But I said, mm-hmm. Do you have cancer? And um, you know, she kinda of put her head down and and through mm-hmm. a cracked voice she said she said yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I said to her, Can I pray for you? And um, <laughs> she looked up at me like, What in the world? And uh and she sort of smiled and said, please. And so I put my hand on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, right there in the mall, I asked God to come and lift her and heal her body. And uh, when I was done, she was like, thank you. And I can't take credit for that, Chris. That's something that God mm-hmm. has done in me is to give me more compassion for the people mm-hmm. around me. But here's the thing about suffering. Suffering makes you aware of the suffering in others. And that's what... That's what God oh, got to yes. me. And Um, That may have been why I stopped and said, I'm proud of you, Chris. <laughs> 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 if you, you were suffering. You know, and,
0: uh,
2: yeah, I know what that is. Because, you know, for
0: you know, 17 years of marriage now, we, we've always mm-hmm. had a strong marriage, but finances have just never been it. We've suffered financially badly. Yeah. And we're making it, but barely making it, but we've got this vision you know that. So we're still going forward anyway. But be through this. Financial suffering. It's helped me see other people that are suffering. Cause I used to be one of them people. Probably ten years ago, that if you needed help, pick yourself up. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer. Yeah. I'm no longer that person because I'm here and I've been here, <laughs> and I get it. You can sometimes you can try with everything you have got, and it, things just don't fall in place. <clears throat> and and I get it. You know, again, now granted, a lot of how we live, we choose to live because we've been a 24 7 couple for 17 years. I don't know how my wife has put up with me 24 7 in that. I place. don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been. And, you know, because of that, I've, we've lost money on things because there's things that would split us apart and we would say no to that could have made us money. So there things we've could have, so don't get me wrong. I know. How we, you know, see, a lot of people are the opposite of us. They would rather go make the $100,000 a year, even if it costs them time with their family. I'd rather be broke as long as I had my time with my family. <clears throat> and that's how I've always been that way, you know. And now, granted, I don't want to stay broke either. <laughs> don't get me wrong.
2: <laughs>
0: this ain't permanent, this a temporary, you know, as we build. But, but time with family is what matters the most to me. In fact, um, both my wife and I have the exact same um, uh, love language, and it's time. Which is they and and I think um, they've said that that's almost impossible. But somehow we have that. <laughs> you know, I guess that's how come we can spend twenty-four-seven together because of that. But yeah, I get it about the suffering. It's like it's like even through the addictions, you know. A lot of people think I'm crazy. When, you know, I see people on Facebook posts that if you could change anything from your past, would you? And like, no, I wouldn't. Not even my addictions. I would still go through the same 19 years of addictions I want if I knew it was going to bring me to where I am today. Because that's, right. that's made me the man of God and the husband I am today. You take all that away, who knows? I might be a really bad person. I don't know. And so I get to suffer, you know, it, and I always tell people too that, you know, that you go through pain in your past so that it makes you relatable to people you're going to meet in the future. And that was exactly what you just said, you know, <laughs> with, with your story. I, I mean, I, you couldn't ask for a more powerful story. Than that with the cancer, because again, because you've got cancer, now you can relate to other people who have mm-hmm. cancer. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, um, that also makes you aware, you know, you don't have, it's not just cancer. When people are hurting, mm-hmm. you know, whatever way they're hurting, you know you know what it's like to hurt. And so, you know, the question, and those who are listening, um, I think we all learn to, to ask, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we'd have to be a kinder, gentler, Nation, you know, um, we all, and that's you know, on the other side of this uh, this virus, my hope is is that we as a nation will recognize that we've been chasing some of the things that aren't filling us up. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, New New Testament says or Jesus said, you know, be rich towards God and, and not towards things. And if we can reevaluate, if we can reprioritize, if we can look for the needs in others, we can really. Become people who Mm -hmm. who I think God's called us to be Enough preaching there you go
0: (laughs) And and you know it's amazing Um, When we do Food delivery in the evenings um, We notice a difference Out there now You're seeing families walk Together You're seeing families play in the yard together You really are Mm -hmm. seeing people Come together as a family unit Like I've never seen before That's right now, do you think that your, the cancer that you've went through so far has has helped prepare you for where we're at now with this whole virus?
1: Well, um, I do know that if I hadn't gone through cancer, I would be going absolutely crazy. But because <laughs> when you go through cancer, you're already immunosuppressed, and so I've been practicing <laughs> uh, sheltering in place for a long time. So this is actually an improvement. Because I have a wife and children, i um be before mm-hmm. you know they go off to school and or Lori go off to work and and then you know I just have to figure out what to do and you know God gave me something to do. I sat down and started writing and uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's yeah, become let's talk a about that. About
0: okay, let's talk about your book a little bit. You know the suffering book. Um, tell well, us a little bit about how that's come apart, come together.
1: Well, you know I got a lot of encouragement. So one of the things that happened at the beginning of this whole process when I found I had 12 months to live and I was dealing with so much anxiety, like um, sometimes it's hard to believe. Chris, I'm sure you've been there where you just feel like you have an elephant on your chest. You Mm -hmm. can't really focus on these things. You're just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of where I was. And so um, I just kind of made a commitment. There's two commitments I made. First of all, I I asked God, God, give me the strength. To be the same man all the way, no matter what happens, help me to be mm-hmm. the father and the husband I've always been so that they don't lose me twice. Do you understand yeah. what that means? Yeah. Um, it's one thing, it'd be hard enough to lose me in death, but also mm-hmm. even harder to lose me along the way so they lose me twice. And so yeah. part of that was like, Lord, I, I just need your presence. And so I went, I, every, ma- every morning I got up at. Five thirty-six, and I spent time reading the Word and His Word. the The Bible is just open to me in a way that that I don't I don't know it's ever been before. I just God was constantly speaking to me, encouraging me, and so um I started writing, and then I started sharing some of that on Facebook. And I was just overwhelmed by the number of people reaching out for me,
2: friends from, mm-hmm.
1: from college and high school saying, "Matt, please keep writing. I look for I look <laughs> for your posts every day." um to find the courage I need to get through the day. And I'm not saying that in these were bragging rights, because that, that's how yeah. God was using it. And mm-hmm. then um uh you know I I actually got to speak um at a at a conference and when I was done the conference people gave me a standing up which was weird. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really care for that kind of attention. And then um people said, Matt, you gotta put that what you just told us, you gotta put that into words you know, long mm-hmm. form, and so I started writing. Uh, so I got a lot of encouragement, and uh, so just recently, uh, the words that, that God gave me kind of came together in a book called "Suffering: The Gift Nobody Wants," because nobody wants to suffer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but if you have the right perspective on it and allow God to use it, it's not—I want to be clear. God doesn't necessarily cause it, but He yeah. absolutely uses it. So, uh, God, what is it you want to teach me? How do you want me to grow? How do you want me to change in this process? And so that's um, that's what God did in me and so I'd, what I do is, is kind of walk through with people the process of how that healing is found. And so I hope that um you know, I, I didn't write the book saying, Well, I hope was so, sell a certain certain number of copies. It's really <laughs> man, if if we just get the message out to people who are hurting, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, hope and encouragement, um so the people who've read it, um you know, all five of them. <laughs> a little more than that. But um, you know, said that it really, it really has touched them and, and helped them grow in their understanding of pain. You know, it's a philosophical issue. Um, if, I don't know mm-hmm. if you did a lot of philosophy in college, but there is a a, um, a question about the Christian faith that called the problem of pain: if God is mm-hmm. good and He's all powerful, why is there suffering? And mm-hmm. so I know the philosophical answer, right? So I've been to philosophy classes. I know what we say theologically. But those answers, um, when you're actually in pain, mm-hmm. um, like like as a pastor, when people were in pain, I, I didn't drop the philosophy on them. You know, I said, well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. I love you. We'll walk through this together. Um, but I, I felt like I didn't have an answer. And I was reading a book by a guy named Robbie Zacharias. To how mm-hmm. to help me deal with my own <laughs> questions. In an introduction to the book, he says, "We need a we need a pastoral um, response to the book I've written. We need we need someone to write about suffering from the perspective of pastoral care." <laughs> and and wow. that was like, oh my gosh, I've got you know this. I'm a pastor and I'm suffering. It just makes sense for me to write this, and so I started writing it.
0: And uh,
1: I don't know if anybody else will enjoy it, but I enjoy that kind of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what's the process of writing that been like? Because of course writing a book sometimes can be tough. I mean, when you write, does it just come to you, or does sometimes you get, you know, writer's block? I mean, how wh- how was the process like on that journey? Well, for me,
1: um, you know, a lot of, so I'm a storyteller, as you can tell. Um, so a lot of me, it was, me too. How do I tell this story, and how do I get the meaning underneath it? Um, And then I was like, okay, so here's a question. Um, With story and with biblical context, how do I answer that question in a Mm -hmm. way that people can understand and attach meaning to it? And so, Chris, I write a sermon every week. And these aren't sermons, but, you know, there's some flow to that. And I think in my preaching, it's really storytelling. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. Chris, forgive me for getting off the subject, people uh, other pastors and don't name names will criticize <laughs> what I do. he said, well, you just tell too many stories. It's like, well, if you can show me where Jesus does an exegetical sermon, I'd be happy to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the most
2: I, I to do that, because it's a gift, you know? <laughs>
1: um, But I'm, I'm not going to tear what you're doing down, so so don't tear
0: me down um, with that yeah, kind of exactly. rhetoric. I'm sorry to put and,
2: that out there. That's, that's so you really know what's negative. funny about really all this?
0: You know, what's funny about all this is, is me and you are really alike a lot. I mean, <clears throat> I recently was just sitting down trying to figure up some things. on What is it that I really have a passion for? Yeah, I have a passion for the music. I have a passion for interviewing people, I have, you know, and all that. But what, what deep, where, where's this deep down? And I finally realized it. It's some storytelling. That's mm-hmm. where my passion is, storytelling. Because – whether – I could talk on the phone with friends of mine for two hours. Sometimes people don't take my call because they know it's going to be two hours or an hour and a half. <laughs> because we get to talking, and then I'll be told 50,000 stories. Uh, and I don't mean to. It's just – it's in me. you know. And then I like to hear other people's stories. So so my whole passion around me is I love the art of a story.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's listen, and and I the, the thing about Jesus is, I mean, he was constantly telling stories. You know, he's like, okay, mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven is like?" Can he give an example? Not that I'm Jesus, so I, I don't want to yeah. even go in that direction. But um, to me, if you want to get to someone's heart, tell a story mm-hmm. because, because it helps people communicate, make them laugh. My dad, as a pastor, would say, "Walt Disney said this. He said, make them let make them laugh, make them cry." Make them think about something. So we talk about the journey, and I love my my dad's preachers. He talk about the journey that you take people on through a Mm -hmm. service. It's like when you make them laugh, it lowers the barrier. When you make them cry, they get emotionally involved. And when I get emotionally involved, then that moves Mm -hmm. me to action. If I'm just engaging the brain, and then people just nod their head, and they give intellectual consent, and they don't have to do anything about it because there's no emotional connection. So there's there's you know, matter
0: preaching philosophy one one you didn't want it but you got <laughs> <and> it <did. laughs> and it's funny about that because you know like like when I've done a lot of interviews now and some and most of them have been what flowed good but there's sometimes where the interview goes is like okay I'm trying to pull something out of this person I'm trying to get this deepness out of them so I find a hot button and I tell a story that has to do with my life that has to do with that hot button. And it opens them up every time every time, that's right. because stories connect that's right, <clears throat> you're trying to keep my heart
1: with your heart, that's exactly right
0: and that and that's what I think I'm pretty good at, and know I don't want to pat myself too much in the back, but I you know again I'm a different kind of host than on on my regular shows. because you know most hosts they'll ask a question let' them answer ask a question. I don't want it to sound like an interview I want it to be a conversation, a dialogue You know, if the person I'm interviewing Says something that peaks A story in me Then I want to bring that story out You know I want it to be like a real conversation Between two or three people Not just this Fluff, fluff (laughs) You know
1: Well, you know, the the thing about that, Chris is, Is the way I would think about it Is if we're sitting at a table at dinner, and uh, two people are talking. They're telling stories. You're laughing back and forth. I want to be a part of that. I don't even have to be saying anything. I want to. Mm. Man, that's a good story. I want to hear the rest of that. <laughs> oh, tell me another yep. good story because I enjoy that. And uh, <laughs> but, you know, and everybody everybody does. And my uh, after the brain surgery, if I may tell mm. another story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> wife. My mom was like. She asked the neurosurgeon. She said, um, "What are the side effects?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, he's going to talk more than he used to." <laughs> she was
2: like,
1: "Well, you don't know how to be a pastor." Well, he's also going to keep talking when nobody else is listening. And she said, "That's perfect. He's a pastor."
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
0: oh, there you go. And, and you know what's funny about that too is Sandy used to think this was negative because um, she didn't understand it back then. But back for years, for, uh, through our year, years of marriage, we would be out and about. And I'm not saying we run into friends. I'm saying we just run into strangers. And if a conversation sp- sparks up, she would sit there and almost roll her eyes because she knows we're, wherever we're planning on going, we might as well wait 30, 40, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. Because I'm going to be in that conversation for an hour, <laughs> no matter who it was yeah. almost. And and, and and I've done that thousands of times in our 17 years of marriage but what we didn't know then that we know realize now is all those conversations prepared me for this show because every one of my conversations on the show pretty much lasts, and it's not like your bobby bones show or your ty bentley show where they talk five ten minutes and then they play five ten minutes of music and talk five no we talk, we talk with the guests for an hour, even an hour and a half one time. So, you know, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a conversation with thousands of people through the years. That were all an my hour wife,
1: each. My wife, Chris, will take me to the store. You know, like, here, I'm sure that your wife has dropped you off out in front of the store. So I'll just circle <laughs> back. You know, I'm just going in for one thing. My wife will say <laughs> when I'm getting out of the car. Please just go get what you need and then leave. Don't talk to everybody.
2: <laughs> that's not possible.
1: She uh, knows that if if someone looks at me and they even look like they might be wanting a conversation, they're gonna get one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <It's just> too <laughs> I am, it?
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I went into the store. Gonna...
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. go ahead. Go, ahead. Uh, no, I was was go say. ahead. I was at Publix, you know, I have my mask on and it's you know, <laughs> viruses going around, people are are scared and I'm just uh-huh. Cutting up and getting a conversation to my, my wife's like that's not appropriate. So <laughs> I like, well, this who <laughs> What were you saying, Chris? I'm sorry, I didn't it. Uh,
0: I was saying what 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 have been some of your most rewarding moments at Gateway so far?
1: Oh every now and then God changes a life. You know, I get uh when we do a baptism and you know, it's a dad or mom and their kids The whole Mm -hmm. family's eternal destiny has been reshaped. Um, And, uh, you know, I know that's God, and I got to play some small role in that. That is so much fun. And I've made so many friends um, Mm -hmm. over the years. I've seen, you know, God has just done some amazing things. And uh, sometimes people ask me, Matt, what's the secret saucer gateway? It's like, like God, <laughs> knew, God knew that I couldn't do it. <laughs> so he, he kept sending people, amazing people to the Gateway. And then he, he's knit our hearts together. And so, um, and one thing that I try to make clear is, is the success that, that we experienced there is all to God's glory. It's really very little about me. It's way more mm-hmm. about um, the, the the way that God has knit our hearts together. So it's people in the way we've yeah. uh, we've all connected together.
0: So what are a few moments to where, and I'm sure every pastor goes through this, where you felt outside of the one you already told at the very beginning. <laughs> I'm <clears> not <throat> sure if I'm cut out. I'm not sure if I cut out. With it. This is just it, this. this is just so much struggle here. Um, well, that was really the big one.
1: I, like I said, I wrote my resignation. I didn't say that. <laughs> And then um, I, I I would probably have to sit down. I don't want to make something up right now, Chris, because I I don't live <laughs> in those negative places. You know, uh, there
0: yeah. there's no
1: question. Um, okay, I'll tell you. I, I remember one just now. Labor Day weekend the mm-hmm. first. Um, so we launched in January, and one of the things that happens, you launch in January and you hit that's kind of the high point, and then you preach it down. And it just keeps going down. <laughs> It's like, um, you know, the, all through the summer, so the summer months, if if you know about church, the uh, yep. the attendance decreases, That'll decreases, downs. and uh, and so there's some in churches there's some Sundays that are known as low Sundays, you know, like mm-hmm. the the Sunday after Christmas, the Sunday after Easter, um, holiday weekends, July Fourth, uh, Memorial Day, and so there's a weekend in September, Labor Day weekend. And there's a tropical storm, and so we're getting ready for church, and it's just—it's not just a sprinkle, or even a rain, or even heavy rain. It's a tropical storm. The wind's blowing, and uh, and at that time we we're set up in teardown church. We had to put it together, and as soon as the service over we tear it down. And I would mm-hmm. put the chairs up. You you were uh, you were saying nice things about Sam. I want you to know he learned that from me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Anyways, so um, we are. The, the worship pastor and I are standing in the hallway, and we're, we're close to being done with setting it up. It was before the crowd got there, and um, I, he turns to me and says, I don't even know why we're bothering today. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to show up, and I'm <laughs> just, you know, I'm in this low place. I feel exactly the same way, so it's not – he's just expressing what I'm thinking, and I, yeah. and I agree with him. And then a friend of mine, who's, who's a dear friend of mine now, <laughs> and we were becoming friends it um and he was he was no believer. He looked at me and at uh, well, worship leader said I can't believe you guys are leaving this church. Said, Where is your faith? <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean he, I mean if you if you got to know this gentleman, you I mean that's that's as sweet as he could have said that cuz he can say that really much more straightforward than that. And yeah. um that was our highest attendance that we'd ever had oh, well. at Gateway Church. And that was like God slapping me around. <laughs> it's like, Hey stupid. If you'll just trust me, I'll take care of this. So anyways. <laughs> wow. I was not telling you low moments, but there was a low and a high in that same moment.
0: That makes yep. really sense. <laughs> That's pretty good though. You know, having a low and a high all in the same moment. There's lots of those, <laughs> yeah. I mean every Sunday,
1: Chris. You know, you go out to the sidewalk where that people come up on, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is anybody coming today? Right, you know, is the is the service itself going to cost more than what, what we collect? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's just like with you, with your radio show, you know, you get started, there's all this excitement, enthusiasm, and then, you know, is it going to work? Are people going to mm-hmm. listen? Are they going to enjoy it? Are they going to keep coming back? Are they going to be like, well... I was really
0: enjoying the Chris show. Was it was what he called. I'm sorry. the show called? Tell me the, the Chris. And, it's actually the Chris and Sandy show, but today it's the Chris show because it's just me. Okay. But normally it's Chris and Sandy on here. But well, it's been Chris been best, Sandy. It would have been
1: a much better show if Sandy was here. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> People are like, you know, I really have enjoyed this guest so far, but this guy, Matt, I, I'm done. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> you know, I was telling Sandy. Before we got on the call, I said, you know, Matt is a really visual person. I'm like, it's going to be interesting how this is going to go, because when you're watching you preach, I mean, your hands are everywhere. Your facial expressions are everywhere. I'm like, because I know that there are times I will sit there and tell Sandy, if somebody's listening to him preach, but they're not seeing it, they're not going to want, they're going to be lost. <laughs> yeah the hand
1: expressions or the facial expressions you
0: <laughs> Cause, 'cause you're and I, i'm in fact, what's funny is when I'm doing these shows, I'm in one room, Sandy's in the other room, and I'm on the phone, and I don't you know I'm on the phone like y'all, like you are so so I'm like I pace back and forth, I get off the phone, and I'm soaked in sweat. <laughs> I'm like if they ever if I ever get a mic and on a thing, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that too good because um, I'm used to pacing back and forth when I'm talking here. Well, this online
1: stuff may um, prepare me for this phone call, but you know, we've been doing online church and so I've been speaking to a camera
2: with no one in mm-hmm. the room, and uh,
1: <laughs> so I'm in this is only, only face I see is my own. So, Man, I wish I had someone handsome to talk to. <laughs> so,
0: oh I mean, you know, this
1: I don't mean to say that. That's yeah. just silly. <laughs>
0: you know, this has been really great. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know that today is Easter, family time, and stuff. Um, if you got any parting words, and if you'll pray us out, that would be awesome. Well, um, Chris. I, I'm, I'm hoping
1: that you and Sandy uh, love what you do, and, and, that, and that, honestly, that'll come through. And that's what people will be drawn to, is your enthusiasm for what you do. And you keep doing that, and you do it enthusiastically. People are drawn to that. And so, um, and whoever's listening, you know, whatever it is you're doing, do it enthusiastically, and people will respond to it. You know, it doesn't really matter what you do. Just do it with mm-hmm. everything you got, and you'll you'll see that people respond to it. They respond to joy. They respond to smiles. They they respond to that heart that's overflowing. And so, Chris, keep doing it. Keep laughing. Keep loving And people respond to it. Okay? So he um, asked me that. to pray. That's why I went to seminary. So not, so I don't know how to pray in public. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a bad preacher joke. Edit that <laughs> part out. Let's, let's, let's pray together. Lord we thank you for this Easter Sunday The Sunday we celebrate That you overcame on our behalf Hell and death Lord your life Set us free And so we give you thanks for that Lord I thank you for everyone who's listening Lord and um, You know they're given an hour of their time to, to listen I pray Lord Your blessing on them Strengthen them, encourage them Whatever doubt or fear they're facing right now Lord I pray that you would strengthen them, and that you would replace fear with faith, replace anxiety with peace. Lord, that they would have a sense of your presence. I pray for Sandy and for Chris. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to get to where you are leading them to go. Lord, we thank you for this time together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And
0: we really enjoyed having you on today.
1: All right. Well, I enjoyed doing it. You have a good day, Chris. <laughs> All
0: right. You too. All right. Bye, Talk now. to you
2: later.
1: Bye. Okay. Bye.